Given all that was to happen that day, it started quietly enough for the folk of Hawkshaw. There had been reports through the night of trouble on the southern marches, cattle taken, homes raided and set ablaze. A patrol was to ride out, assess the damage and set others to work to put things right. Sir Robert Jardin considered himself beholden to none and policed his own lands as he saw fit. The men he gathered around him to those ends were bound either by blood or by the silver coins in his purse, but he placed the full weight of his trust in none of them, not even close family. He reviewed his situation every day and made whatever adjustments he felt necessary. Before he had finally retired to his bedchamber on the uppermost floor of the tower house, he had given Davy Kennedy the task of leading whatever force he deemed necessary to the site of the trouble. A little after dawn, with a watery sun rising, the master of the stables was at the head of a dozen mounted men trotting out through the gateway of Hawkshaw's palisade. There was little in the way of conversation. Each man remained withdrawn, maintaining as much distance as possible from the rest and from the chill of the morning. Davy Kennedy was fuming. The task of leading such a routine patrol was a long way beneath his dignity as he saw it. It was, however, in keeping with his master's way of doing things. If challenged, and who would have dared? Sir Robert would have said it was important his senior men remained battle-ready at all times, and vital that they had up-to-date, first-hand experience of the people and the lie of the land. What use to the household and the estate was any who had grown distanced from the day-to-day realities of the fight and the need for restless vigilance. Sir Robert therefore insisted, and a grudging part of Davy Kennedy both understood and even approved of the strategy, in principle at least, that rank was no bar to service. Even the laird himself was no stranger to the drudgery of riding the marches, maintaining the boundaries of his own lands and underlining his authority through the simple tactic of remaining visible at all times. But early morning was early morning, and Davy, a man who liked his bed more and more with every passing year, was in a foul temper. It had given him some little satisfaction, therefore, to insist that his quarrelsome brother join the party, and he looked back over his shoulder to the end of the line of horsemen, where Will, as silent and morose as Davy himself, trailed some half a dozen horse lengths behind the others. Davy kept watching his brother until he made eye contact. With a jerk of his head he signalled that Will should join him at the head of the troop. Once they were trotting side by side, he slowly looked his brother up and down. Like what you see, do you? said Will, without lifting his gaze from his garron's mane. Ah, you're a pleasure to be around, brother, said Davy. No chance anyone will ever mistake you for a ray of sunshine. If you've nothing worth saying, I'd prefer the quiet, said Will, eyes now fixed straight in front of him. They rode in silence for several minutes. I'll go on ahead, Davy, said Will at last. See what's to see. For what reason, when we're all going anyway? said Davy, meeting his brother's gaze. Not like you to put yourself out on behalf of others. It suits me to be by myself, said Will, his face expressionless. Then he smiled, dripping sarcasm. It might make me happy. This ride out is for no one's pleasure, said Davy. The point is to be seen, to let it be known that we will respond to any and every breach of our lands. Oh, it's our lands, is it now, said Will. He dug his spurs into his horse's flanks, the beast reared in pain and surprise and plunged away from the line. By the time Davy Kennedy and the rest of the riders reached the Henderson farm, the focus for the trouble during the night just passed, there were no signs of life. There was a chaotic mess, sure enough. While the thatched roofing of the main cottage was largely intact, there were clear signs of burning. The whole lot of it was sodden, 
evidence of efforts to douse a fire, but it looked as though the flames had never fully caught. In any event, much of the thatch had slumped into the interior under its own weight. Some of the poor belongings of the Henderson family, tenant farmers who paid Sir Robert rent for the privilege of their miserable existence, were strewn around the doorway. Smashed pottery, clothing, bits and pieces of broken furniture were testament to a raid. But for all the signs of destruction, there was not a soul to be seen or heard. The cattle were gone too, driven off by whoever had descended upon the place in the night. No doubt the Hendersons had sought comfort and shelter with some or other neighbours. Well, shouted Davy Kennedy, show yourself. Nothing. Not a reply, not a murmur. Look inside, he ordered, gesturing to Jamie Douglas and another of the troopers, Donnie Weir. The pair jumped down from their horses and sauntered over to the doorway. The lintel was low, no more than five feet off the ground, and both had to...